Happy birthday, America! One of the most fun and exciting weeks of the year is here. Fourth of July, everybody has it off of work, relaxing. And then the following day is my birthday, which everyone celebrates. No, you do not have to sing to me, and you certainly don't have to buy me a card. But it just feels like America finally comes alive for the summer during Fourth of July. So, glorious week coming up. This podcast is going to be released on my birthday. Uh, huge show. We have not one, two movie reviews. We have Toy Story 4, and then we have Spider-Man Far From Home. Spoiler alert, both of them are horns up. Fantastic movies, both of them. Uh, we've got some sports news. NBA free agency is almost over. Kawhi, we still don't know where he's going. Uh, I might have to do an addendum to this because I'm recording this. I still don't know where he's going. Nobody does. And we also have some just random thoughts that I've gathered throughout the week. Exciting show. Content-packed. Happy birthday, America. Let's do this. talk some sports we continue to be in the dead zone i have mentioned that several times we'll continue to be in the dead zone throughout the summer until football comes back so really the only news we have is nba related nba free agency is happening it's almost over as i mentioned at the top of the show we're waiting on Kawhi leonard where he goes it's probably down to two teams lakers and returning to the Raptors, I'm leaning towards him going to the Lakers. I hope he does. I'm a big LeBron fan, so that would be fun to see a giant super team like that. It'd be the best players. It already is the best players LeBron's ever had. Anthony Davis is, is the best player he's ever played with. Dwayne Wade is awesome. He's my second favorite player. Uh, current player, sorry. MJ's my favorite player. But uh, Dwayne Wade was great, but I don't think he was at Anthony Davis's talent level and youthfulness. If the Lakers got Kawhi, that would be amazing to see. A lot of fun to watch. But he could also go back to the Raptors. He could run it back with them, try to win another title. We'll see what happens there. Big moves, obviously. The the huge news was that KD chose Brooklyn over the Knicks, which is hysterical. Because, again, the, the Knicks are just cursed now. Their owner's awful. He's really bad for basketball. Put yourself in Knicks fans' shoes. Three weeks ago, they thought they were going to get Zion Williamson. They thought they were going to get KD and Kyrie Irving. And fast forward three weeks, and they got nothing. R.J. Barrett's awesome. Don't get me wrong. He's great. But he's not Zion Williamson, the hype train. And he's not KD and Kyrie. So they they went from floating on cloud nine to just despair in three weeks. It's crazy how that happens. And it's all because of their terrible owner. So I wouldn't hold my breath, Knicks fans. I feel bad. Jump ship. Root for Brooklyn now. Until the Knicks sell. That's what I would do. As a Dolphins fan, clearly, you know on this podcast, I was willing to abandon them completely until they somewhat redeemed themselves for the travesty that was not drafting Dwayne Haskins. That close, America. I was that close to abandoning them. But they slightly redeemed themselves with Josh Rosen. So I'm giving them another chance. But they are on thin ice with me. I am totally for you jumping ship on your teams because you've given them a lot. You give them your time, your money, your effort, your credibility sometimes. So you can jump ship. And I think the, the Knicks fans, they should jump ship temporarily until the team is sold. 
So that that was a huge news that KD chose Brooklyn over the Knicks. Uh, anytime I hear the word Brooklyn, I'm also reminded of the famous D A B A N D show on MTV, where 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 Diddy made them walk to Brooklyn to get cheesecake. And there's that famous line of of the guy talking in his cell phone where he's like, "Puffy made us walk to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake." Love that line. So anytime I hear the word Brooklyn, that's what comes into my head. I, I hope you realize I'm just giving you insights into my mind, okay? That's what happens when I hear Brooklyn. I've given you what happens when I hear Colin Kaepernick's name. I've given you what I think of in the grocery store. I'm just laying it all out here for you, America. Bearing my soul. I hope you're enjoying it. So I had an epiphany while I was grocery shopping the other day. I was buying hot dogs for 4th of July celebrations, as all Americans do, and I realized something about the way that we store hot dog buns. It's completely wrong. Okay, those things need to be stored vertically, and we're storing them flat on the counter, so you have the four buns up top resting on the four bottom buns, and what happens is the weight of the top four smush the weight of the bottom four. And you just always are left with those flat hot dog buns, which are the worst. Nobody wants those. This could be alleviated if we would just stack them vertically on the countertops and, you know, at the store, instead of stacking them all on top of each other like nomads. I feel like that would help the hot dog bun situation because I'm a, a person that I want the fluffy hot dog bun. I don't want a flat, almost hamburger bun wrapped around this hot dog. That was my epiphany. I think this could really change things for us as consumers of hot dogs. I I think we're doing it all wrong. It could be fixed. I don't know if there's a... I'm sure the purpose is about space on shelves and storage, things like that. To me, it's just we're uh, we're really ruining the experience of a hot dog bun. So that was my random grocery thought. This is what I do when I'm grocery shopping. I think about ways to improve society as a whole. So more, more thoughts like that to come, especially food-related. Let that sink in as you're shopping for hot dog buns over the holiday weekend. I know I'm going to enjoy my hot dogs just a little more because I've started to store them vertically in my house. You should try it too. Let me know what you think. Checking the hot sheets this week. Uh, there was a big story courtesy of Colin Kaepernick again. First of all, every time I hear him, I think of... The scene from Atlanta. If you haven't watched that show on FX, it's phenomenal. Highly recommend that show. Every time I hear Colin Kaepernick's name, I think of the reenactment they did with the white girl who's reading the viral video. And she's like reading the lyrics of Paperboy, who's the main character in the show, his rap song. And he's just like, shout out Colin Kaepernick. And as she's reading it, she says it. And that's the only thing in the lyrics that makes her cry. It's really funny. It's a great political commentary on it. But that's every time I hear his name, I think, shout out Colin Kaepernick as she starts to cry. Every time I hear his name. Anyways, he's in the news again. Nike released a pair of tennis shoes that had a Betsy Ross flag on the back of it. And for those that don't know, the Betsy Ross flag is the U.S. flag, but it has the circle with the stars on it. And it is basically, I think it had 13 stars on it for the 13 colonies. Nike had put this on the back of a pair of tennis shoes and we're selling them for 4th of July, as most companies do. You know, they recognize America during this time. And he 
opposed it. He was claiming that a certain white supremacist group had used that exact flag as a symbol for their recruitment efforts. He got Nike to pull them because he said the flag was very disrespectful. So it's just bizarre that he chooses to pick this issue of all things. He chooses to get upset that Nike has the Betsy Ross flag on the back of its shoes. Now, it's important to understand what he was thinking here. Really, we don't have an exact statement from all we have are sources saying that he, is a direct quote, the Betsy Ross flag is an offensive symbol because of its connection to an era of slavery. This is troubling because this flag, and you clearly understand why Nike does this. If you step back, if you remove race, everything from this equation, and you just step back and you go, why would Nike pick this flag? Well, it's trying to celebrate the 4th of July, the celebration of America's independence, 1776. And this was the flag that existed at that time, close to it, I should say. It was created in 1777. But they're picking that flag to represent that independence to celebrate Independence Day. And so what's very troubling about this is that Kaepernick is saying, because that flag existed at a time when slavery existed, then that means it is associated with racism. And that's just foolish thinking on all grounds. Yes, the United States upheld slavery for a very long time. It shouldn't have. It was a sin in our past. It was something that's horrific that no one should agree with today. But but what's really troubling about this is that he's saying that because it was there, that that means it's equated with racism. And that's just so wrong. Because you can't do that with anything else. Clothing was there. We wore clothes. Slavers wore clothes. Slaves wore clothes. So because clothes were there, does that mean that clothes represent slavery? And, and you just go, I know that's a ridiculous example, but I'm just saying, where does it end? Uh, what else? Paper was around. Is paper racist? Actually, the, the documents that, that bought and sold slaves were written on paper. So should we just outlaw all paper? And It's just ridiculous just to go down that rabbit trail. How about cotton in general? Cotton in general was something that slaves, you know, were, were responsible for. They were the ones that were out in the fields picking cotton and they were forced to do so. So doesn't that represent slavery more than the flag itself? So why aren't you boycotting cotton? That should be a new protest from Kaepernick. He should be opposed to all these 100% cotton t-shirts that Nike peddles on their website. That makes more logical sense than saying that a flag that existed at the time of slavery means that that flag represents slavery. I do, that That's just baffling to me. I get the Confederate flag representing slavery. Absolutely. Those losers down south lost. And that flag represented the division in this country between the free north and the southern states that wanted to keep slavery. I get that. I don't get it when people don't understand why the Confederate flag is disrespectful to black people. Like, I've heard all the arguments. Oh, it just represents the rebellious South and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, what were they rebelling against? Yeah, what was that? Oh, yeah, they were rebelling against the, the idea of abolishing slavery. That's why, that's why we fought them. That's why it was a civil war was about that one issue. So you don't, you don't see how that is disrespectful to black people? Like, you don't comprehend that? I'm not understanding that part of the argument. I get the Confederate flag representing those things. Yes, that makes perfect sense. 
the Betsy Ross flag doesn't make any sense on any level. Here's why. Betsy Ross, who created the flag, was a Quaker. That was a denomination of Christianity at the time. They were opposed to slavery. In 1776, they were prohibited from owning slaves. So the the church came out and said, "You, you cannot own slaves as a Quaker. Because they believed that all men were created in God's image. All men. And that there was no difference between white and black people. So the person who created the flag was opposed to slavery. And Colin Kaepernick is arguing that the flag that was created by a person opposed to slavery represents slavery. Do you realize how dumb that is? I'm not calling Kaepernick dumb. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a dumb position. Very foolish. I I feel like he didn't take any time researching the matter and just threw out there that because the flag was created at a certain point in our history that it had to have represented slavery, which is ridiculous. So I lost a lot of respect for Colin Kaepernick because he just is doing things now. Okay, he's just doing it to get a name out there. I, I, I don't know what Colin Kaepernick's point was with this. If you remember during the whole protest that he had kneeling for the anthem, he stated it was never about the flag. He stated that because everybody kept saying, you're disrespecting the flag. All those things, you you know, Trump still says it. And he had to keep saying it's not about the flag, which I agreed with him in terms of I understood it wasn't about the flag. It wasn't disrespecting the troops. I understood what he was trying to say. I would not have done it at all. I, I would have chosen a different method, but he felt called to do that. I understand that. And he kept saying it wasn't about the flag. But now he comes out after we had almost forgotten about him. And he makes it about the flag. I It's just baffling. I don't understand what he was trying to do with this. Why would you do that? And now it's just this firestorm. And people are going to hate him even more. Not for the right reasons either. You know, if you're doing something right and people hate you, there's a difference between that and just having a stupid idea. Or a stupid thought. Which is what this was. It was a stupid action. And it makes no logical sense especially given the history of the Betsy Ross flag. Now, personally, Colin Kaepernick, okay, I was a fan of his when he was playing for the 49ers. The year they went to the Super Bowl, I was rooting for them. I hate the Ravens with a passion. And they were in the Super Bowl. Randy Moss is my favorite player of all time. He was on the 49ers, so I was heavily rooting for them. Then he started the protest. And at first, I was like every other white American. I was like, how disrespectful Why is he kneeling for this? It makes no sense to me. Then he started to explain a little more. Then I heard some great points about people just explaining what the protest was about. The best point I ever heard, which totally changed my perspective on it, is a local radio guy here in Columbus. He was like, look, I am opposed to people when they protest breaking things. They riot. They burn things down. They did it in Baltimore. They, they do it in a lot of places. They riot, burn their own cities down, their own communities. And we're all opposed to that. We're outraged by that, as we should be, because it's, it's dumb. It ruins businesses there. And he was like, this is a peaceful protest. We should be encouraging peaceful protests. So I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm okay with this. He's doing a peaceful protest. Let him live. So I, it changed my perspective on it. So 
Do I agree with it? No, I don't think he should have been doing it. That's, that's my opinion, but he has a right to do it. And I was changed by that. I was like, look, I want this to be the way people protest, not rioting, looting, burning things down. Think about that, America, as you get opposed to these things. Does it fit into the right category? Is it a peaceful protest or is it encouraging violence? Those type of things. So for Kaepernick, I was for his right to do that. This, again, it's not logical. And it just opens up this can of worms of like, what line in the sand are you trying to draw here? If you're going to boycott the flag because it was around during slavery, boycott cotton as well. Now people are back to saying, let's boycott Nike. Oh my goodness. And we have to hear this again and again for seven more months probably. It's just nonsense. They're trying to make this so political and it's not. It's a simple thing. It's just a historical flag created by an anti-slavery person. And, and, and Nike was just trying to honor America. And I believe they were even trying to pick a flag that, you know, was less controversial. And instead it blew up in their face which is hilarious them trying to be this PC culture. The PC bros at Nike were trying to avoid controversy and they ended up creating it far worse than how they just put the normal American flag on there. So shout out to Colin Kaepernick for giving us another eight months of Trump complaining about protests. One final observation before we move into the movie reviews. As your faithful host and friend, I try to be a podcast host that is very open and honest and discusses things in a way that will try to find compromise and, and, and really try to understand the heart of an issue. So I have an observation that might be offensive to people, and I, I want you to know that it is not meant to be offensive at all. All I'm pointing out is that something big happened in this country, and I'm just acknowledging that and then trying to figure it out. So I'm going to be talking to you while trying to figure something out. And once we talk about the issue, you'll understand what I'm talking about. So something happened all at once, and I haven't noticed it prior to this year. And it was just something big that I feel like our nation made a turn. We, we really turned the corner on a certain issue, and I was just fascinated by it. So the month of June was just Pride Month, okay? Uh, amongst the LGBTQ plus community, it was Pride Month. And something that I noticed that I had not noticed prior was that almost every single major company or corporation changed their logo to a rainbow style logo. But I'm talking every single company I saw on my Facebook feed, Twitter, everything, they all changed it to a rainbow logo. Xbox was a company that I saw that did it. Target when I was in there, it was really interesting because they had an entire uh, gay pride section, which I had never seen before. So I just thought that as a country, we had made this turn where it had become where all companies and, and things like that were really supportive of that movement. And I'm fascinated by that because it happened, I'm going to use the term overnight, because it did not happen last year. And then this year, all of them were doing it. So I was blown away by that. Now, here's why I was, I think, so blown away by it. Because I had this thought, and this is where it might get offensive for people. I had this thought where, has America become less homophobic than it is racist? So let that comment sink in for a second. I think where we are in this parabola of society is that 
we're on the way down as far as there's going to be less homophobic people and we're less homophobic as a nation, but we're still kind of racist. And I'm fascinated by that. Why aren't both categories going down? It would appear that the one category has gone down drastically. Because if all companies are saying that we are celebrating pride, then I'm curious, are all companies celebrating black history? You know, in the month of February, was that something that you noticed? Did you notice that all companies were so blatantly and openly for black history? I, I did not notice that this year. Now, I wasn't necessarily looking for it because it just wasn't all at me at once in, in June. Uh, it's just something to think about. Has this country become less homophobic than it is racist at this point? Uh, that That's why, again, this is my thought. I'm just thinking this out loud right now. It's something that struck me. And I, I'm just, I, I was just blown away by it in the month of June. Just the amount of companies I saw that had changed to the rainbow flag. Or, you know, the rainbow colors. Nike, we, we've already talked about them. Nike had many shoes that came out celebrating pride. I know they had done that last year as well, but I'm just saying, companies like that aren't afraid to show their support. Now, Nike notoriously also has black history shoes. I, I understand that. But I just feel like they're marketed totally differently. So it just feels like to me, I'm a white person, obviously. I don't know what black people are feeling or sensing, anything like that. I'm not going to be so foolish and dumb to, to assume that. Okay? But just looking at it from the surface, it would appear this nation is less homophobic and it would appear that this nation is still pretty racist on things. I realize the irony in this that I'm talking about this right after talking about Colin Kaepernick feeling this flag is racist, right? And I was saying that that flag isn't racist. I, I understand that irony, trust me. I, these are two separate issues. I do think America is still pretty racist on certain things. I realize the irony in talking about Colin Kaepernick saying that the flag is not representing racism and then talking about this issue saying that it might be, that this country might be racist. I get that. Stick with me, please, as we talk about this issue as a family. This is just a family talk. That's all I'm asking for. I, you know, I'm, and then, then coupled with this, this observation, uh, me and my friends had this debate on our, you know, we use GroupMe, me and my friends, our closest friends. It's a blast. I love it. Uh, shout out to the Dub C Click there. We use this GroupMe app, and, and we just get in all kinds of discussions. It's it's awesome. Shout out GroupMe. Sponsor the podcast, if you will. So we had this discussion, and something came up. And it was the issue of there's a division. There is a division within the black community and the LGBTQ plus community. And my friend was on the side saying that there shouldn't be a division. They should be united on that front. And I was arguing saying, actually, I can see why there is a division. I can totally see that. If I, again, this is a ridiculous statement, but if I were a black person, I would feel incredibly jealous towards the LGBTQ plus community. The reason for that is what we just witnessed in the month of June. It seems like every company was, I'm going to use this term, I don't mean it disrespectfully, was flamboyantly pride-oriented. It did not seem that way in February that they were black history-oriented or celebrating it as much as they were Pride Month. 
So my thought is I understand there's an animosity there. For over 200 years, black people have been struggling to earn a place in America as an equal. And in roughly, what, 20 years? The Certainly the gay community, but the LGBTQ plus community has achieved a an equal and even celebrated status in this country in roughly 20 years. So to me, again, this is a white male thinking about this issue. To me, I would be extremely jealous of that. And I would actually be a little upset if the two issues were compared. And I think that's what's happening a lot in this country. The struggle to obtain rights for the LGBTQ plus community is often put in the same arena as the struggle for civil rights for black people. And I just do not see that at all. I don't agree with that. I don't think they should be put in the same category. I think it's disrespectful to put those two different struggles on the same level. I I use this as an example, okay? If you were to look at the Holocaust, what happened to the Jewish people, and then what happened to Japanese Americans during World War II, and you were to say, the Japanese internment camps were just as bad as the Holocaust. Do you see how that would be ridiculous? And you would go, wait a second, hang on. Millions of Jewish people were murdered. Just murdered, gassed, killed. And Japanese people were put in internment camps, which were not good. Don't get me wrong. That may have been racist, right? It was out of fear. They put them in there, but they weren't murdered. Do you see the difference there? And so if you were to put them on the same scale, that would be ridiculous. And that would be offensive to a Jewish person. Now, now think about that with what has happened to black people in this country compared to what has happened to, let's say, homosexuals in this country. Have bad things happened to homosexuals? Yes. There's been hate crimes committed against them. But it hasn't been at the scale of slavery. It hasn't been at the scale of, we're going to label you as non-human in our constitution. It has not been at that scale. So to me, that's offensive to compare those two struggles. They're not the same. And that's what what happens. And so uh, we going back to that debate in the group me chat, my friend was just saying he wasn't understanding why there was animosity there between the two communities where they should be on the same page. And I'm like, I completely understand why there's animosity. If I were in those same shoes, I would be ticked off as well. I'd be upset. I'd be offended. All these things for that very reason. So in this country, Again, going back to the original question, I'm going to say that this country is still pretty racist. Now, don't get me wrong. This country is also homophobic. It is. A lot of people don't understand that lifestyle choice. And so there is still a lot of ignorance. There's still a lot of even, you would say, animosity towards that community. But it is far more celebrated and accepted than I would would say black people are. I think that the the LGBTQ plus community is far more celebrated than the african-american community especially in this country so that that stuff is fascinating to me when i see that in this country how there are two sides and one side seems to be on this tolerance express train where everybody is just accepting of it so quickly compared to you know black community where it still feels like there's a struggle there so i am i'm really interested in this maybe i'm just rambling I'm ignorant white person here talking about this issue, but I just feel like it's still there 
And are you offended by that? Is that something you're willing to talk about? Uh, let, let's talk about this issue as a family. Let's let's have this open discussion for people to hear. So if you're listening, let me know. Shoot me a message, and, and I'll interview you about this topic. But to me, looking at it, I'm just fascinated by that. And I just I see why there's animosity. And I was blown away by how the month of June happened. And it was like we had turned this corner in America. It's a tough topic. It's an awkward topic. I realize that. But that's why we have to talk about these things as a family. Get these things out here. So we can work through it, figure out what the heart of these issues are, and I could become a better person because we've talked about it. Uh, Slightly related to this, I was also blown away by the reaction of the news that Ariel has been cast in the Disney live-action version of The Little Mermaid as a black person. And there was some outrage there. I feel like Ariel, to begin with, was improperly cast as a red-headed white girl. Because when you really break it down, my wife made this point brilliantly. Shout out to my wife here. She said, Sebastian's like Jamaican, and it's tropical, so Ariel should have been black from the beginning. Which I would agree with. That's probably true. Um, so here, this makes sense to me, that she's cast as a black woman, because originally she should have been. And she probably wasn't a black person, because at the time in this country, we weren't ready for black Disney princesses. I get the Disney fans being upset about this. But here, it's kind of a weird thing. And it just goes to show you that there's a difference between a black person being cast in a white role and, let's say, a lesbian being cast in a straight role. Because when the Batwoman trailer was released, she was very clearly a lesbian in the show. But there was no outrage that, oh, wait a second, Batwoman's not actually a lesbian in the comics. You heard none of that. The show is going to be awful, historically awful because it just sucks in general but it's not because the main character is a lesbian that's a side point right but the point i'm making is there was no outrage to the fact that her sexuality was different from the comics now there's an outrage because the skin color of the character is totally different just a few more thoughts on this ariel casting here i could care less about this dumb movie that's coming out I hate that Disney's doing this. No one was asking for live-action versions of classic Disney cartoons. I don't think they've been very successful at the box office. Something to really consider that I haven't heard brought up yet about this casting. Disney is so weird about their characters that I don't know if you've ever heard the stories of characters when when they work for Disney World. But they have to actually act and be those characters at all times when they're in front of the public. Because they they don't want kids to be freaked out when Ariel's taking a smoke break, right? Because Ariel doesn't smoke in the cartoon. She's supposed to be this magical, mythical character. Now, here's where they're going to have a really weird problem. And and this is why I I am actually shocked that they did cast a black person in this role. What are they going to do with classic Ariel and new Ariel? Because both are going to be Ariel. And and so, what's going to happen? You're going to have two Ariels walking around? That's really confusing to kids. Wait, which one is which here? So I am shocked that they chose a black person, but for that reason, because I know how weird Disney is, I'm just confused on what they're going to do about that situation as far as what they're going to do when a little girl comes up expecting to see white redheaded Ariel or vice versa. When a little girl's expecting to see black Ariel and she's greeted with a white redheaded Ariel and said, this is actually Ariel. That's a major tangent regarding this issue. I realize that that's where I think we are. 
Let me know what you think. Again, these are my thoughts, my ramblings here. So if I'm wrong, let me know about it. And let's, let's talk it out. Okay, that's enough politics for one show. I don't think this world could contain anymore. So let's roll right into our movie reviews. First movie up is Toy Story 4. First of all, spoiler alerts for both movie reviews we're doing. Major spoiler alert. What we did for this movie, which was so fun, is that this was the first time we took our two boys to a movie. And if you don't remember this, it is magical. Going to movies as a kid is like entering a different world. It is a highlight of weeks, you know, and, and you're just so excited to be there. And our kids were just filled with so much joy just going to a movie theater. I don't know what it is. It is so magical. You can't even get that now as an adult. Like you just, it's just something fun about going to the movies. So we go there and obviously it's for Toy Story 4. A lot of kids there. Uh, the experience throughout the movie was great because it's a lot of kids, you know, interacting with the what's going on. I would say, though, Toy Story 4 is not the best kids movie because it has a lot of adult themes. A lot of what I call boring parts that if your kid's watching a movie, they want you to skip through to get to the good stuff. So there's a lot of that in this movie. So caution you taking really young kids uh, to see this. And then what was hilarious is that at the hour mark, literally the one hour mark, every single child in that theater started to get restless. They, they all started to make noise. You started to be aware of how many kids were actually there because they just started talking more and just being restless because that's just what happens with kids. It's hard to get them to sit still for that long period. So that was comical seeing that uh, while we were there. The, it was just such a blast because my son, my oldest son, they had this huge cardboard cutout of a shark they were promoting that stupid movie, 47 Meters Down 2, uh, which should just be, you know, they should just double 47. What is that, 94? It should be should just be 94 meters down is what the title of the movie should be because it's a ridiculous movie to begin with. Now they're making a sequel. The only cool part about it is the giant cardboard cutout that has a shark's mouth. And so he was just having a blast taking photos with that. Thought it was the coolest thing ever. The movie, I would say they did not enjoy it as much as we thought they would. Just because it was very adult-themed, surprisingly, Toy Story 4. So that's my story with having my kids. It was a blast. Now to the movie review. It was a really powerful movie. So I'm starting to figure out why 90% of the garbage that's out there for movies sucks. And it's because Toy Story has taken a lot of the good writers. Because these movies are so well-written. The plots are so great. They're just fun movies, like, for even adults. This plot was really powerful because it's about this idea of, like, Woody has lost his purpose basically and one of the kid the his new kid Bonnie she creates this little toy and it's called Forky it's voiced by Buster Bluth from Arrested Development so that was hilarious seeing that and Woody's job is to protect this toy because it gets lost and he's trying to get it back to Bonnie because it means so much to her because she created it really powerful stuff about just this idea of purpose and what what happens to toys when they're done and uh, just really cool stuff. And what was magical about Toy Story 1 was that it... I remember I saw it right at the right age because it was like after I'm done playing with toys. But then you have this nostalgia for all your old toys and you remember what it's like to play with them. And it was just a really cool moment to be at that age watching Toy Story. The rest of these movies have kind of done that where they've captured a different magical moment about a child. And this movie specifically was about this idea of a 
child creating their own toy and it being so meaningful to them because they created it. And that was just a really cool message to see in a movie. And again, the writing of these are just brilliant. Everything is great. The villain actually turns out not to be a villain, which I loved. They didn't do the same thing from, from Toy Story 3 where or even Toy Story 2 where the villains are these people that aren't played with and so then they become jaded towards the world. Uh, the, the premise is this. There, there's a doll and she was defective from the beginning. So she never had a chance to be sold. And all she wants to do is be played with. She wants that experience that Woody had with Andy. Uh, she wants to see the child's whole life like he did. She wants his voice box. And because he has the same, they were made the same years, those type of things. Really cool thing about this idea of Woody needing to sacrifice a piece of him to give a, a, a toy a shot at their life. I mean, it's really powerful stuff. If you really start to break it down, like from organ transplants, who would have thought that, that you're going to learn that message in a Toy Story movie? But that's, that's what I was thinking is like, wow, that's a powerful pro organ donation movie because it's just this idea of like giving another person an opportunity at life that they couldn't live without you donating something, a piece of you. Again, never expected that from a Toy Story movie. Anyways, Woody does give it willingly. And, uh, you know, and so the toy thinks that she's going to have this child. And the kid picks her up, or the voice box works, and she just throws it down. She's not interested in this toy. And so she's devastated. Well, they're going to have her join their crew with Bonnie, and they're bringing her, and there's this kid that's lost in the, this carnival area. This was the most powerful part in the movie. So she sees this kid lost and is like, she's lost. She needs help. And so the toys now are like, okay, we've got to get her this doll because they know she's terrified being alone and they want to help her and comfort her. And it's just this beautiful picture of what a toy can be to a child. Really powerful stuff, like I said. And so that becomes then Woody's mission. That's how the movie ends. He, he Oh, by the way, he runs into Bo Peep. They reunite and Woody gets this happy ending where he decides not to go back with Bonnie because Bonnie had kind of grown tired of him as well. She started using Jesse the, as the sheriff and, you know, Woody was feeling a little bit discarded. So he decided to stay with Bo Peep. They were going to have this mission of uniting kids with toys from a carnival. I'm not doing a very good job of explaining this synopsis, but it's just a really good movie. Horns up, as I stated before. I wouldn't say if you're by yourself that it's necessary that you have to rush to go see this movie, rent it. This is a little weird for you to go see by yourself. It's definitely a family movie, so let's keep that vibe, okay, weirdos? And ranking it, I would actually rank it number two in the Toy Story quadrilogy now. I would say that Toy Story 1 is just iconic. You're never going to top that because just the what it introduced. I mean, it was the first fully animated movie, computer animated movie, which is already uh, an, an accomplishment in and of itself. It also just had so many iconic things. I mean, you had Buzz Lightyear being introduced. You had Pizza Planet. What a cool place. I wish it existed to this day. You had Sid, such an iconic villain. And it's just an amazing movie. So nothing's going to top that. But this I'm actually putting number two. I didn't actually like Toy Story 3. I thought it was okay. I only saw it once. I never have the desire to go back and watch it. And I think number two was pretty good. I like I like elements of number two. I like Alice Toy Barn. I thought that was a cool thing. And he sees all the Buzz Lightyears. So if I'm ranking them, I'll go Toy Story 1 as the best by far. Nothing's going to top it. And then I put Toy Story 4 at number two. 
weird ranking, I realize, but it's that good. It's better than, it's certainly better than number three, and it is better than number two as well. So as stated earlier, horns up for this movie. If you have a family and kids, go take them to see it. It's worth it. But if you're by yourself, I would wait a little bit until you can rent it or it comes out on the Disney streaming service. Next up is Spider-Man Far From Home. And they continue to surprise me with how good they make these movies. Spider-Man Homecoming is easily top five Marvel movies. Easily. It's so well done. And this one is on par with this. It's crazy. I think I would still rank Homecoming above this one. But it is fantastic. Now, again, major spoiler alerts for this movie. What it's doing is it's kind of filling in the gaps of what happened at the end of Avengers Endgame. So, major spoilers for Endgame too, P.S. What they do so well in these movies is they really encapsulate high school so well. They they really did a montage explaining what happened in Avengers Endgame. And in particular, what happened with schools. Like how you would have people disappear for five years, come back and be the same age. What would happen in that scenario? But what they did is the way they explained it was through a high school montage. And it was, if you remember in Homecoming, they had their news people that would do these clips. And and they did it through that. And it was just brilliant. And again, it represents everything that's high school. Because you remember those news people doing the, the awkward news reports. And they, they just do it so well. They have like this in, in memorandum for Tony Stark and the people that are lost in Avengers Endgame. Just hilarious. I loved it. Uh, so that started off the movie, which again, sets a fantastic tone. They're still continuing the same Spider-Man storyline from the first one where Peter Parker is just wanting to be a normal kid. He's wanting to go on a, a high school trip and you know tell the girl he likes that he likes her and he's nervous about it. And they just... They show this, and they, the writing is so well done on this that, again, everything about it is fantastic. They, they, they capture what it's like to be a high school kid who's about to tell his crush that he likes her. You know, they encapsulate all those things. They encapsulate what happens if you give a teenager superpowers, what he's going to do with those, how he's going to act in a fight. They just do such a great job with these. I'm so pleased. I'm so surprised at how well they do these Spider-Man movies. He's quickly becoming my favorite character left in the MCU. So uh, high praise from me here, if you can't tell. So one thing that Marvel keeps doing that I do love is that in even the previews, they don't give away the actual plot line. And if you're not familiar with the comic books, like I actually wasn't familiar with Mysterio's character, so I had no idea that he was a fraud. But his comic book character is actually a person who is very good with visual effects, and he's an actor, and all these things. So I had no idea. So when I saw the preview, I thought he was actually from a different world, a different universe, or a different world. And so when that twist happened, I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, oh wow, he's just a fake, a phony. And then after the movie, I did some research, and found out that that was actually his character. So to me, that was really cool. I'm glad that they do that in the previews where they don't give away things, which a lot of movies do. You can always tell the quality of a movie by what it gives away in the previews. And they actually do some misdirection. Um, ironically, Mysterio is an illusionist as well. It's one of his tactics that he uses to fight Spider-Man. He actually has no superpowers, so 
And this movie, I love that they tied him to an existing scientist in the MCU. And he was using the, the technology that Tony Stark had. Really cool stuff with this movie. I was pleasantly surprised with the twist. And it turns out they were actually very faithful to the comic books. And here's something they did that they tied in previous Marvel movies so well. Where you had this technology that existed in Iron Man 3. Where if you remember, it's the opening scene I believe. And Tony Stark, it's a picture of him and his family. And it's this video playing out. And it's like a live 3D thing. And it's like this amazing holographic technology. And that's just it. They never reference it again in any other movies until now. Now they take that technology and they say, those scientists were so mad that Tony Stark didn't do anything with BARF, as he called it, B-A-R-F. He didn't use use it so the scientists were disgruntled. And so they were going to get back at him by taking his amazing technology and using it against him, basically. And that is so great because, again, they what they're doing, and they did this in Endgame, they're really taking some of the weaker points in their movies, and they're trying to correct it. And But it's, it's actually working. So, like, Thor 2 is actually a little better now because of Endgame. And now Iron Man 3 is just a little better now because of this movie. So they're t- trying to, like, fix their plot holes in future movies, which I find fascinating. And it's done really well here. I, again, I was pleasantly surprised with this. A lot of twists in it. The major twist was surprising. It's not bad. Like, I thought Iron Man 3 was bad with that twist. I think the worst part about Iron Man 3 was that it took an actual comic book villain, one who's very formidable and this organization, and it just made them laughable. And it made it this actor, this character. And that's not actually what that villain was in the comics. So that's why people hated Iron Man 3 and that twist and why in this movie it's actually a great twist. Because if you had no knowledge of the comic book character, it's a twist because, oh, he's, he's not actually from a different world. But then the comic books, that's that fits with his character. That's exactly who he was. So in Iron Man 3, they completely missed the mark and they tried to trick us. And in this one, they actually tricked us by using the, the plot points in the comic books. So that's why this is far better than Iron Man 3 and what they were doing with the villain, where the villain wasn't what they seemed at the beginning. Well done in this movie. Brilliant writing, as I stated earlier. Another part that I loved is the glasses that he gets from Tony Stark, where it just grants him all this technology and all this, all these resources that he can now use. Uh, opens up a can of worms, that's for sure. Because now Spider-Man is one of the most powerful people in the in the world. With the end credits scene, I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. So if you didn't stick around, you missed two fantastic end credits scenes. Where, again, they're, they're trying to expand the universe. So the first one, it's uh, uh, Mysterio, Jake Gyllenhaal's character. He reveals to the world who Spider-Man is, Peter Parker. Which is going to have major repercussions. And then the way he, he does it, he frames it in a way that it looks like, obviously it's an illusion, but it looks like Peter Parker kills him and attacks, uses the drones to attack him. And so he's really trying to paint him as this really bad guy. And then the second end credit scene is Nick Fury in space with the scrolls. And you come to find out Nick Fury and Colby Smolders, her character, Agent Maria Hill, I believe is her name. They were both scrolls the whole time. And again, this is why writing is so important in movies. Because 
the whole time I'm watching Nick Fury, I'm like, man, he's really acting dumb. He's really saying things that I wouldn't think he would say. And it turns out because it's not actually Nick Fury. And they reveal that at the end. And that's brilliant writing. Because the whole time you're sitting there going, this isn't right. Something's off here. And then they reveal it in a post credit scene that actually it was a scroll the whole time as Nick Fury. Now, again, it's not where they were evil. It was Nick Fury was telling them to do that. I just found that so interesting. Like they did such a great job with the writing. And everything about this with the humor is spot on as well. Uh, Tony Stark, he names his technology Edith because it stands for even in death, I'm the hero. Just hilarious because that's exactly what Tony Stark would do. Brilliant humor there. And just throughout the movie, the the humor just was actually, it was put in the right place. It, It wasn't over the top. And this movie was just fantastic. Obviously it's horns up, but this is easily now one of the, I'm going to put it top 13 Marvel movies. I really need to break them down some more. But this may be approaching top 10 level already. Obviously, it's fresh in my mind. I just saw it last night, opening night. So really exciting. The the action's great in it. It's everything that Marvel does great all rolled into one movie. Wrapping up the show, it's your favorite part, the rant of the week. Now, this one, I will admittedly state, is much shorter, and I'm trying to be a little more low-key with it. I don't want to set the expectations too high, because last week, it was fiery, I was upset, and we were talking about food. So, all those things rolled into an epic rant of the week. This one, not so much. It's still quality, I assure you, and it's directly tied to my upcoming birthday, something that I've noticed that makes me furious and i'm hoping that it also makes you furious so that we can change this no more delays cue the sound clip i got a lot of problems with you people now you're gonna hear about it so my birthday's coming up and you know what that means that means i've got cash to spend where do you go i always go to the mall i go to the outlets we have really nice outlets around us so i'm ready to spend my cash that i get for my birthday and here's something i've noticed That I don't know when this happened, but it needs to stop. It completely needs to stop. I am so sick and tired of seeing signs advertised for stores where they've gotten giant bold letters 80% off or 50% off entire store. But in little tiny letters up at the very top, it says up to. So really it's trying to say up to 50% off in the entire store. But almost everything will only be about 10% off. And again, I am so sick and tired of seeing that while shopping. Because it's we all know it says that. It's not as if I walked in one day and was like so shocked that, oh man, it's only, it's only 10% off and not actually 80% off. Because it's happened for the last 20 years. I don't know who that person is who created that idea. Who came up with that in their mind. That you know what? I'm going to basically do false advertising here. I'm going to trick people and I'm going to put in giant bold letters, 80% off, but then I'm going to trick them with the up to, and I'm going to put it really tiny. They got to read the fine print. We're going to really pull one over on people coming into the store just to get them in. And whoever did that needs to be put to death. I know that's a harsh penalty, but I'm, I'm just done with this. We as a society, every store does it. It's ridiculous. And we've gotten to the point where we just all ignore those signs because we know that's not actually a percentage off. 
So I'd like to see a store actually give us the percentage off and it be for real. Not have the up to. But they all do it. And so it's incredibly frustrating when you're trying to spend your birthday cash that you don't even know what things are just by window shopping. And maybe that's the point. I get it. The point is to get me into the store. But you know what? I'm not going into the store. Especially, I have drawn a line in the sand. If there is an 80% off one, I refuse to go shopping into that store. Refuse. Because I know they're trying to get you in with this amazing deal. And I know that nothing in that store is going to be even close to 80% off. They do like a pair of socks on clearance is 80% off. And that's it. Okay, I'm trying to buy a new suit. I'm trying to get a lot of things here. And I don't have time for your games with your window signs. As a country, we need to revolt against this. We need to just rip these signs up. We need to find who created this. I'm assuming it's a guy. I really am. Only a guy would think so viciously about how to trick people to get into a store. All about the money. Only a guy would think that way. So whoever this guy is, we need to find him. And I think we can all agree that he needs to be put to death. Because he started a a trend that has completely changed the way that we look at window signs where we we just ignore them. We know it's not true. They're just blatantly lying to us. And I'm just sick of it. Think about that next time you're shopping. Point them out how ridiculous they are. And again, they're just evolving in their swindling here and trying to trick us. That's what these stores are doing. So I am sick of it, America. Let's change this. Write your congressman. Tell them we're sick of the up to 80% off signs. That's the podcast, folks. We hit a lot of topics. Movie reviews, political news. I understand if you're exhausted. Enjoy the holiday weekend. I'm going to enjoy my birthday. I wish I could have the holographic technology of Jeff Goldblum and Thor Ragnarok, like I said, that he's just singing It's My Birthday. Just imagine that on Friday for me. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. Have a happy, safe holiday weekend. Enjoy America's birthday. Celebrate it. Also celebrate my birthday too, but more so celebrate America's birthday We live in the greatest country in the world. Back-to-back world champs. Celebrate it. Enjoy the fireworks. And let freedom ring. 